0: Habits and Health Episode 1 Welcome to a brand new podcast called Habits and Health and as the title suggests we're going to give you lots of ways that you can create new habits to improve mostly it's going to be improve areas of health and that could include all sorts of different aspects of health so it could be physical health, mental health mindset I would include in a part of health and mindset is the area we're really going into today there's my guest is Mark Shannon who's a former world memory champion and he helps people with learning and remembering and yeah memorizing so books or course or whatever the case may be so we're going to hear from Mark in just a few minutes if you do like this podcast please do subscribe to it and if you really like it, why not leave a review so people get to know about the podcast and then they can, it's probably, it'll get to more people and they can make a decision if this is the right thing for them. So please do leave a review and why not share it with anyone who would get some real value from some of the, uh, the stuff that Mark shares with us today. So I hope you enjoy this show, Habits and Health, today with Mark Shannon. And my guest today is Mark Shannon. How you doing, Mark?
1: Very good. Good to be here, Tony. Looking forward to this. It's,
0: yeah, it's good to... Well, I was going to say it's good to see you again. I can't actually see you, but we, um, yeah, we first acquainted, what was it, five,
1: six years ago? Or it was a while ago, wasn't it? It was a while yeah. ago.
0: Yeah, and it, you've been... Well, I mean, you. so you were probably the first person who ever told me about tiny habits. And i and I completely forgotten about you even mentioning tiny habits until seeing your video a, a few weeks ago about the whole tiny habits. So for people who are listening who are thinking, what the hell are they talking about? Do you want to tell, tell them what tiny habits are?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've got a fairly eclectic background. But later on in my life, um, who knows? It must have been maybe seven years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago. I came across um, a guy called BJ Fogg and hmm. he had this, this process called Tiny Habits, this strategy, this method. And it'd be gone for a, a number of years. I think he started probably, it might have been 2010, it's around about that time. Hmm. And the thing that really hooked me and grabbed my attention was hmm. the promise of Tiny Habits because the hmm. idea was you can create any kind of behavior, any kind of habit without the need for any willpower or motivation. So I thought, okay, it sounds interesting. I'll be honest with you. I was a little bit skeptical when mm. I first heard that. And so I actually ended up having a conversation with BJ at the time. And um, mm. as I'll probably talk about, uh, you know, I've got a big background in, in memory improvement and, and full kits, etc. Mm. And I was running a number of courses back then. And what I saw is what many people see that run courses. People would come in, they'd be highly engaged. They go, this is great. They do it for a few days or a week. And then you see a big drop off in engagement. And so I was really looking for a way to solve this problem for people. How can people, let's say, leave a workshop and actually take some of these strategies and implement them in their lives in a much, much easier way or just create any behavior they want? And so that was really what hooked me. I chatted to BJ and he said, look, you just go through the course yourself. It's five days. Give it a go. And Mm -hmm. I did. And I remember I created three habits to begin with. And basically the big idea of tiny habits is that you take moments in your life that happen already. We call this the anchor. So getting out of bed, brushing your teeth, going to the bathroom, et cetera. And then you take a behavior you want to create and you t- create a very tiny version of that behavior. So one of mine was I wanted to do Pilates in the morning. Now I say I wanted to, I didn't want to. It just happened that <laughs> my back was not in a very good place and my mm. wife was a Pilates instructor. I said, look, you've got to do some Pilates. It'll sort you back out. I thought, okay. I didn't want to do it, but I thought I have to do it. And I thought, what would be the tiny behavior for that? And I thought, well, I'll just put my Pilates mask on the floor. After I walk into the living room, I'll put it on the floor. Now, the third part of a tiny habit is you give yourself a little celebration. You get this. You know how to do these things. And I kind of give myself a big old fist pump. And the first three days I did this tiny habit, I'd come downstairs. I'd get up before the kids. I've got three boys. After I walked into the living room, I put my Pilates mat on the floor, I'd celebrate. And the first two days, I just went back to bed after that. I thought, I'm not going to be anything. <laughs> <laughs> the idea with tiny habits is first you, you make a habit automatic, it becomes a proper mm-hmm. habit. And then it's way easier to grow. So that got me into it. I did that first week. I got in touch with BJ and I said, This is awesome. <laughs> this works. This actually really works. He was like, Yes, I know. <laughs> thousands of people in this already it's like great and so I became certified in it so I think it was one of the UK's first coaches um Mm. it was many years ago it was when he starts first started certifying people in this and Mm. then I've used it ever since so I use it for my own life but I also use it for all my one-on-one clients and anyone who works with me it's the first thing I suggest for them to do go Mm. learn how to do habits first and then it's much easier for whatever work we do together we can then figure out what are the, lo- those larger behaviours you want in your life and start with some tiny habits.
0: And, and you touched upon just then in that you know, description where you were talking about how you got together with BJ and about the memory background. And it's not simply a memory background. I mean, you did pretty well in, um, in the, the world of memory athletes, I suppose you could say.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um, if I take you back over 25 years, if we travel back some way in time, it was actually in the early 90s and I, I was an actor. I was an actor until the mid-2005, uh, well, actually. So I was an actor, a professional actor, for about 15 years. Most of my stuff was in the West End, uh, National Theatre for three years. I did a lot of tours, and I did loads of musicals. Believe it or not, I was a dancer as well, actor, singer, dancer. So that was my kind of bag. But early on, when I was an actor, a good friend, I wasn't actually acting at the time, I was working in a bar, the Prince Edward Theatre Bar, actually, in London and Soho. And I was staying with a mate of mine in a flat, and he burst into a room one day. And he went, Mark, he was very energetic. He went, Mark, remember these 20 words. And I had a reputation for having the worst memory. Now, that's not me just saying this retrospectively now. It was genuinely bad. People would make jokes about how bad my memory was. Now, in actual fact, later on, I found it was more about my focus than memory. I think a lot of people maybe have the same kind of challenge. Anyway, I did these 20 words. I remembered about five or six. I thought this was okay. And then Steve went, okay, do this technique. And he shared with me a, a mind palace or a memory palace, this idea where you, you use locations around a room or a journey and the things you want to remember, you place them on these locations. I'd never experienced anything like this before. I mean, this was the, this was the mid-90s. Early 90s, actually, probably 92 when I first heard about these things. And I memorized all 20 words. This blew my mind. I'd never experienced anything like it. It was like magic or voodoo. They were still in my head the next day. The next week, they were still there. The month, they just stayed for months. I couldn't get them out of my head. And it, a few weeks later, I said to Steve, we have to get really good at this stuff. And so we went on a bit of a a, a track to find out who could teach us these things. I ended up doing a Kevin Trudeau course, bought lots of books by uh, Tony Bazan and Mm. Harry Lorraine. Basically, anyone who was out there that wrote about this, I learned about it. Mm. What then transpired, a number of years later, it was about a year and a half later, As I I ended up being in a show called Crazy For You. Mm. And it was during the time that I was in that show that my agent called me up and she went, Mark, Luke, I've got a friend of mine got production companies are looking for ideas i was an actor you never say no and i was like give me th- give me half an hour give me half an hour and i wrote this idea for a game show about memory i'd take loads of people i'd teach them how to have this superhuman memory and then they'd play all these crazy games against each other mm. and i had no idea whether this would work by the way i was literally making it up long story short it, it i it got picked up by this production company It was on the BBC. In 1995, it was called Monk House's Memory Masters. Bonus points for anyone who remembers that. It was a long, no one remembers it, ironically. No one knows what this is anymore. But it went up to 8 million people. And basically, from that day to this, one of the things that I've done is work with people with their memory. Actually, there was a show on Channel 4 I did just about a year and a half ago called Can I Improve My Memory? And I was working with Joey Essex, Gaw Kwan, Valerie Singleton from Blue Peter. Anyone remembers Val? well? <laughs> uh, and the same kind of thing. I show them how to improve their memory, do these crazy feats. But for me, it was always more about how can you take these techniques, which I started off being a little bit of fun, but how can you apply them in your life? And so that's been one of the areas of focus over the years. And um, so what... I
0: um... What, well, what, there's a few questions that come to mind after what you just said, but one of the things you said, the show was called Monkhouse's Memory Masters. Why Monkhouse? Because obviously I'm thinking of Bob Monkhouse. It, it was
1: Bob Monkhouse. Yes, Bob was the host. Oh, um, I, I, did a little, I did a little bit on it with Bob. No. Um, yeah, but it was it was Bob Monkhouse that did the show many, many years ago. I think the Pyramid oh. game was on the other side.
0: Right. I would have, in that period. I would never. I was living abroad then, so that's probably why I've ne- I'd never heard of it because I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't in England around that time. So. Yeah. Uh, well. So, but you'd also. I mean, you. So you've done quite a lot with memory since those days. Because I mean, I first came across you when I read your book six or seven years ago. I can't remember, and I can't remember the title of the book.
1: Yeah. So I've got uh, three books out there: How to Remember Anything, Improve Your Memory, which is essentially a rewrite with. Lots of uh, added content around priming and focus and productivity. And then I've got a book called The Memory Workbook, which is essentially mm. 101 activities to improve your memory. So if you want something really practical, which just gets the point, well, that's a good one. If you want something with a bit more background, uh, improve your memory is a good one. Good one to check out. But you know, I, in terms of memory, in 95, I was. Right, It's a crazy title, but I was ranked as one of the first grandmasters of memory in the world, in the World mm. Memory Championships. That was actually Tony yeah. Badan that got me into that. He mm. said, you've got to come and compete in the World Memory Championships. I had no idea what this was. And when I found <laughs> out, I was like, I thought to myself, do I want to do this? This sounds crazy. Some of the games you have to play. But mm. after, after three months of work and about four hours a day, I ended up competing uh, and did quite well in it. So, And so, because
0: I know it's changed quite a lot over the years. And so, I'm presuming back then you were having to do like sort of packs of cards and what numbers from pi and so on.
1: There was one of the first events was a two thousand digit number. Here you go, on sheets of A4 paper, memorize as many digits as you can in sixty minutes. So I did seven hundred and forty-four was the number. I did over eight hundred, but I made a few mistakes, so you lose forty points every time you make a mistake. I think it was 20 points you lose and then we did like packs of cards names and faces poetry now actually i was third in the world for poetry i was i think because of my acting even though i had a reputation for having a very poor memory when it came to learning lines i was always very good at learning lines in fact i've just i've just written a book about line learning for actors which should be coming out um probably springtime this year
0: and and so from that i mean probably some people now are just their minds have been blown because of what you just said before about how you remembered what 700 and something words and, or digits rather. Yeah. And they're, they're thinking, how the hell can anyone do that? Cause most people can't remember more than like five, six or seven or something.
1: Yeah. When well, it's interesting. And the, the real question is why would you want to? And that is one <laughs> of the questions that I asked back then, but what you'll find is, uh, and this is what I talk about this a lot, that memory Anyone can have a great memory and it's a skill. And like mm. most skills, there's good news and bad news. The bad news, it's a skill. It's going to take some effort. The good news mm. is anyone can do it if you're willing to put in the effort. And so when people, everyone will say to me, Oh, I could do with that. I could really do with having a better memory. Mm. And my, my question that I ask everyone is why mm. in a positive way, but you know, what, what is the benefits when you really think about it? What would be the benefits if you were able to learn faster, make things stick. And when I work with people, this is always where I start because once people really tap into the value of being able to learn faster, and and I make a distinction here, you know, when I talk about memory, it's a starting point, but we're really talking about learning. We're talking about being able to consume more information, to cut through information overload, to be more focused, less distracted, because if you don't handle that, then you won't remember anything. And, and once you can do those things, this then shows up in, you know, I, I, I worked 10 years in corporates in the world of product. So when I worked at the BBC, I knew everyone's product. I knew the stats across the, the organization. And mm-hmm. what that gives you is a level of influence. You become a go-to person. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if you if you're in a job where you've got to memorize stuff on the fly. Mm-hmm. So I've always been very focused on starting with the idea of, what value and benefit would a better memory have for you and your life, mm. and if you think that's good, well, then jump on board and let 's do the work because once you 've done the work, anyone can learn how to do these things. actually, the principles are very, very simple, mm. but like most things, when you talk about it, it sounds easy. the hard stuff is making it part of how you operate
0: and so typically, what kind of people come to you now then for is it? Are they coming because they want to learn something in particular or is it do companies send people along? Who is it you're working with?
1: So I guess my business has evolved somewhat over over the years. And actually, I I have two types of clients I work with and it really talks to, I've got a collective background. Like I said, I did 10 years in product management. You know, Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of startups. right now, I have two different types of, I guess, people that I work with. One are people who just want to perform at a higher level. Now, usually they will be in employed work, and the challenges that they will have is lack of focus, mind wandering, procrastination, feeling distracted, um, and you you get a potentially have they have a learning curve. So when you go into a new job, there's a learning curve when you onboard. If you want to go into a new domain or trans, uh, transfer a career, there's a learning curve. So there tends to be a set of characteristics. I also have some people who just want to up their game. So I have a set of clients who are high achievers and they they want to just up their levels of focus. They're already good. They would say they had a good memory. They would say they're very productive, high achieving, but they want to take it and get that extra 2%. The other type of clients I work with are all startups. So I'll work with a number of, of small, early stage startups. And... When I work with those kind of people, it's not so much about how do you perform at your highest level, it's more about product development, which is the other part of what I do. So my business is quite interesting and varied, and I tend to kind of think of it in in, in two sectors. I've got people who just want to perform at the highest level, and I've got other people who want to start up on their own. But it's very much if I was to follow a startup approach where I ultimately want to get investment, what do I do? Where do I get going? Problem solution fit, uh, working towards product market fit. If that makes sense, so it's a mix.
0: Mm. And so, when um, what kind of things are best? Um, I'm trying to think how to word this. And I think what, what are the best things to try to remember? I mean, are, are there certain things that are just very difficult, and other things that are much easier?
1: Depending on how complex the information, <laughs> it's obviously going to be harder. So, I've worked with people. Let's pick out Joe, for example. Joe was one of my clients a number of years ago. She was 64 uh, from the States. She'd just failed the California bar exam. Mm-hmm. And she'd worked with a friend of mine, actually, who was really good. So she came to me with knowledge of memory techniques. Mm-hmm. And the work that I did with Joe was, one, just increasing, you know, adding that 2% improvements to her ability to remember. But that was not Joe's challenge. The challenge mm-hmm. that she had was her beliefs in her, the way her brain operated. She was a scatterbrain, she used to say to me. Mm. And she'd enter into complete panic whenever she even thought about this exam. And so for Joe, it was about getting over that fear, Mm. which once she got over that fear, she was able to utilize the techniques. Now, obviously, the California bar exam, as you can imagine, that is complex. Mm. And so you need to be highly motivated in order to be able to apply memory techniques to that topic. Likewise, anything you've got which is technical, it's all doable. And and really, it's about when I teach people how to learn faster, I'm I'm looking at how they already operate. I don't want to completely change the game. I want it to be more additive. I want to go, like, why don't you try this technique, test it out and see if it works for you. Uh, I find that you can use these techniques for anything, though. Mm-hmm. A great place to start is names. Because if you get good at remembering people's names, one is just a valuable skill to have,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you're also working the basic building blocks. If I kind of bring this to life a little bit, the first step in remembering a person's name is paying attention. <laughs> Sounds obvious, right? But mm-hmm. you're not paying attention, you're not going to look at that person properly, you're not going to listen, and therefore you won't hear the name to begin with. And mm-hmm. when I ask a room of 100 people, who here ever has the experience of just not hearing the person's name, probably 75% of the room will put their hands up. Mm-hmm. So that's really the first step. The tricky part, and this is where I, I term this creative memorization, it's a model that I use. It is absolutely born from what's called the art of memory, which has been around 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. But it's all about being in that, a state of flow, being completely present using your imagination, association to take what you want to remember, turn it into imagery, and because we've got great visual memories, it's easy to remember that stuff. But right at the centre of this model is meaning. Like, there's no point memorising stuff if it's just a bunch of pictures which don't make any sense. So meaning is crucial. But with a a person's name, you listen to the name and you create a picture. And then you attach that picture to their face. And then you just, all you have to do is say the name aloud. It sounds like where the crazy land lies. And it does take some practice. But once you get good, what you find is that you can basically create a picture for anything. Uh, Tony, like uh, I've, by the way, I think I've said this to you before. Never tell people your pictures. Yeah. Because <laughs> right? one, it can be very embarrassing. But I can tell you because we know each other. So to, Tony is basically a toe. Right? Mm. or it's actually the toenail part of the toe now you never share that with anyone right? yeah. and yeah. then when you see someone you make a connection and you see Tony and it, what you mm. find is that the name becomes hard to forget mm. and it yeah. sounds like a lot of work however if names are important to you in your career then it's a valuable skill to learn you know I work with a lot of people in sales and, and they need to be able to get a lot of names in their head and remember the client's so, if you work in an area where you've got lots of clients, uh, maybe you've got a very, very large team, for example. I worked with a client who had a team of 75 people and he knew about 10% of them. And it was very important that he could improve on that.
0: Well, and also it can be I mean, I, I remember using it um, names. At, I was an MC at a, at a wedding and I was introducing. Various speakers who were doing sort of speeches, and, and there were some other things going on as well. And altogether, there were around about twenty different people that I had to introduce. And then at the end of it all, I kind of recapped who had spoken and, and what they did, and, and so on. And I did all this without notes. And I had people just coming up to me saying, "What? Well, how the hell did you do that?" And it was only twenty, and I know you do far more than that. But just even just something as small as that just blew people's minds.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's such an impressive skill. I mean, when I think of names in particular, there's two scenarios that pop into my head. I usually ask people what do they find more painful. The ability to walk into a room, an event, see 20 to 30 people, and to be able to remember everyone in that room, or not, as the case may be. Or you meet one person in a meeting, two weeks later, they pass you in the street, and they go, hey, Mark, how are you doing? And you stare at them blankly. <laughs> and you're going, oh, great, how are you? I usually find the second one is more painful, people say, but the first one is way more impressive. And if you can do both, then you know, you're in a good place. But 20 is very impressive. I don't think most, most people need to be able to memorize more than 20 people at uh, mm. a time.
0: Mm. But it's, um, it's, a, it's a practice. I mean, I found when I first got into, I mean, I know we're near to the extent that you did, but when I first got into memory, and, I, and in a minute, I actually, I want to get on to talking about memory palaces. But when I first started using memory palaces and sort of playing, you know, trying to see how fast I could do a pack of cards and so on. And, and initially, for me, it was because I was speaking. And my initial reason for doing all this was I thought, well, if I'm doing 45-minute talks, I want to, I don't want to be referring to notes frequently. I would like to mm-hmm. be able to remember the main content of that whole talk without having to refer to that. So that was the main reason I, I kind of got into that. But you, you early on, you mentioned about um, memory palaces, and I, I I would suspect, well, maybe people who watch Sherlock Holmes are familiar with it, but other than
1: That's that... That's the example people, I usually give, Sherlock Holmes.
0: Yeah, yeah, many people are probably... And even even if they watch Sherlock Holmes, they'd still not be super clear on it. So do you want to tell us about memory palaces?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the easiest way to tell someone about it is to do it. So like I always start with the body system. Now the mm-hmm. idea of a memory palette is you take a place. People will say a familiar place. It doesn't mm-hmm. actually need to be a familiar place, but let's say it's a familiar place. And you choose locations
0: mm-hmm.
1: in that place or locations along a journey. And we then tap into a visual and spatial memory, which is fairly phenomenal. Now you don't need people to visualize to do this necessarily. And you create pictures for what you want to remember, and you place those pictures along those locations. And then you first recall the images, and then you think about what it means. So that's a lot there to say out loud. To do it is easier. So if, I mean, you know that stuff. So what, but why don't we do like five of them, just as an example to bring it to life? So I use the body system because everyone's got a body, and therefore it's easy. Um, so it, first of all, and if anyone, if I was listening to this, just imagine basically what I say in your mind. You don't need to try to remember. That is crucial. And so you might imagine, first of all, you have a pair of gladiator swords and just stick them into your feet. Now, that's an odd image. It actually it would hurt quite a lot as well. It's hard to forget. So you've got gladiator swords in your feet. Next, you might, if I was to actually give you a brain, Tony, it's a squidgy brain and say, look, put that brain in between your knees so now, and just balance it in between your knees. So now you, you're focusing on balancing this squidgy brain in between your knees. It's got a beautiful mind, by the way. It's a very clever brain. Next, um, imagine you have dancing girls and boys on your thighs. Now, whatever pops into your mind for that, you got dancing girls and boys on your thighs. Mm-hmm. Next image, imagine as you're sitting down, if you're sitting down right now, you're sitting on a gigantic golden ring. Odd image. A golden <laughs> ring on your behind is yep. the image. Uh, let's do one more. Imagine you have a money belt around your waist, and inside this money belt is a million dollars. A million dollars. Now, we could keep on going and, and doing another five more. And mm-hmm. if it works, all 10 images would be in your head, but we've put five in there. So let's just have a little check. What's mm-hmm. on your feet? So it's the uh,
0: gladiator's daggers.
1: Mm-hmm. What's in between your knees? The brain. Yeah, good. Watching your thighs.
0: The dancing boys and girls.
1: Yeah, what's in your behind?
0: Uh, the money belt with a million dollars
1: on your behind.
0: Oh, so that was a gold ring, and then yeah, that's the ring good,
1: yeah. and around your waist. Yeah, a million dollars. Fantastic. So now you have five images. So the next question you have to do is ask yourself: What do they mean? Now, actually, mm-hmm. each one of these images represents. Can you get?
0: So the first one, the
1: daggers, was that would be eleven? Now, that's the thing. It could be pretty much anything, right? Mm. But in actual fact, it's the best picture winners from 2001 to 2005, the years they were awarded. So the image of a gladiator represents Mm. gladiator with Russell Crowe. Mm. 2001, he was awarded that. Mm. Best picture um, 2002 was, again, Russell Crowe, a beautiful mind. So you've got that brain in between your knees. And so what you do here is you see the image, but you want to say it aloud what it means. Because without meaning, it's all a little bit pointless. So you really have to think about what it means. The images act as a trigger, a sort of mental map to allow you to navigate around the information. Dancing girls and boys, Chicago. So now that image might change a little bit for you as you're looking at it next if you look at your behind your golden ring so that's lord of the rings that was actually return of the king and Mm -hmm. then the money belt around the the waist is million dollar baby so you see the image and then you see what it is Mm -hmm. so you can take this principle, this idea and rather than using your body you use your living room and you Mm -hmm. use your TV as a memory file, now memory Mm -hmm. files where you put the information your feet, your knees, your thighs behind, that's a memory file So if you're using your living room, it could be your sofa, your TV. I was going to say hi-fi. That kind of shows my age, doesn't it? (laughs) I don't have a (laughs) hi-fi anymore. But you get the picture. Um, You could also use locations along a journey. Hmm. So from here, let's say I live in Seven Oaks, to the station, there might be about 50 locations between here Hmm. and the station. And that's how you design your memory palaces. So you end up with these journeys in your mind where you can store information and the great thing is and this is where the real value lies in my opinion is it's hard to forget mm. it's actually hard to get out of your head yeah so depending on what you do for a living you will have stuff that you want to remember it could be client information product information etc mm. and there'll be stuff that maybe you want to remember just for the next hour a mm. conversation that was on the fly for example and you can use this technique to remember conversation, to give presentations, for actions and meetings. Uh, you can use it, obviously, for names, for networking. You can use it for domain knowledge. Literally, you can take this idea and apply it to pretty much anything.
0: I'm just wondering if, um, you know, all the people that have come to you and you've been working with over the years, is there, was there any, like, a real bizarre um, request from someone to remember something?
1: <laughs> a bizarre request? I'm sure there have been. Nothing that feels that odd to me, really. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, nanotechnology, you world, nanotechnology was one. I right. mean, it's not really me odd, but um, it, it, it's
0: chunky, right? <laughs> that was so what, what was it? He wanted to remember what data about nanotechnology.
1: So this was actually a client that I worked with. I had a, we had a lot of fun, actually. We, we did all sorts. Um, hmm. and it, He would have been in my high achiever set. Mm-hmm. So he was running a successful startup. Um, it was kind of gone beyond the startup stage. And he wanted a year just to improve his memory mm-hmm. and, and see the impact that would have. And one of the things was done technology. This was actually research for a new startup that he was looking to go into.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we did a lot of work on reading, what I'd call creative reading, which is a kind of mix between speed reading um, and some creative strategies to really dive into things which are complex mm-hmm. in meaning. Um, and also memory techniques as well, so that was that would have been one of the let's say more unique <laughs> um mm. challenges that someone came to me with
0: what i mean you mentioned how he did pretty well well he was a high achiever maybe I guess in in his business, but the people that you've been coaching, is there any sort of common pattern between the ones who take to it really well and the people who struggle?
1: So I, this is, a, this is through observation. yeah. Through observation, the people who get clear on why they're doing it are the people that continue. Also, mm. what they do is they put the right habits in place. And this is where the tiny habits come in. So mm. I always start with, why do you want it? And I use a model when I work with people, when I coach them, especially one-to-one, but also my group work, mm. is where I use a 3-3-1 three, three, model, which is three years, and that's about creating a future memory, a memory that is yet to exist and it has to contain emotion, and it has to get you excited. Otherwise, you're not quite there. The next three is your three months, and this is looking at your, I use OKRs as a model, objectives and key results, and, which is a great model, I find, just for really understanding are you progressing to where you need to be in measuring success, and then the one stands for your one-week wins. And so I find people who have real clarity about why they're doing it the benefits it will give them, and a strategy to get there, it works them. And then the, the second part of that is putting the right habits in place mm. because your motivation will always wane, and yeah. it takes about six weeks. Now, we know this based on science now. Mm. Uh, Boris Conrad, Martin Dresler, you might have seen the research they did a number of years back where they took a number of memory athletes, 28th, I believe, and they measured the brain patterns, and they took twenty eight. Other people who had never done this stuff and they measured the brain patterns. And what you see with memory athletes is that more of the brain is active while they are memorizing. And after a period of six weeks, the brain activity of the people who had never done it before started to mirror that of the memory athletes. Mm. And performance improved. Mm. Now, since the 90s, I've observed it takes about six weeks for those who follow through if they put the right behaviors and habits in place. And so this was kind of backed up by science, which was good to see, because I've always just been saying, I think it's just about six weeks, and then we've got some real kind of science to kind of back that up now. Mm.
0: So if someone's out there listening, and they've, they're maybe doing, studying for an exam or at university or whatever the case may be, and they're, they're struggling to get through this course, so in what ways would you be able to, to help them? So they say they, they've contacted you, I, I'm really struggling here, Mark, can you help me?
1: Yeah, well, so there's a number of options. So I obviously run a number of courses. You can start with the books. Books are an easy way in. Anyone can pick up a book. You can read it. It's self-led. It costs about 10 quid. So that's a mm. nice way to get in. And it allows you to kind of test test the water, dip your toe. Mm. I also do a number of free courses. So if you go to my website, you can test out a five-day memory course that I do. Um, and I, t- I touch into memory and focus. So that's a nice way just to dip your toe as well. Uh, I run a group course, which is a monthly course that I run if people want to take it a step further. And within that, I actually, it's more a high performance course. And as part of that, there's four courses, which are memory related. One, which is a basic. How do you just learn stuff fast? One, which is focused on names. One, which is focused on, on presentations and one, which is more leading to, you know, conversations, practical application. And then I do other stuff around focus and productivity and performance, et cetera. So it's a real mix. Mm -hmm. So there's an, there's an option there. And I do a lot of one-on-one work as well. It really, with a one-on-one, I don't work with people unless they have a goal, which is super important to them. Mm -hmm. And usually I won't work with people. uh, Well, I'll never work with people under three months because you're really not going to get the impact that you're looking for. And usually I work with people for six months. So one on one isn't right for everyone, but for some people it works really well. Um, if that makes sense.
0: And so, how, last year, obviously, we all had to make you know a lot of transitions from the way we worked, and you know, you sort of touched upon it earlier. But so how how was last year for you, and how do you see things going forward
1: this year? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, if I think about last year, I personally, for me, because I'm so used to working online. That wasn't a huge change in my business. I had a lot of live stuff, and I love live stuff. I love an audience. I came. I was an actor, so of course I do. But a live audience and working with people live is is probably my favorite thing. So that was that was a little bit tough, just getting my head around that. However, mm. I, w- I was very lucky in the fact that a lot of my business is online. Whether it's online courses that people can just go do, or you know, live work. Everyone's on Zoom now. Everyone's used to it. And, and and so that, that was good. I've, my business has evolved quite a lot over the last year. Um, I've, most, I've pivoted more and is continuing to pivot more across the, the challenges of mind wandering distractions, which is something that when I do a little survey, when people come into my courses, that is the number one challenge people talk about. Lack of focus caused by either distractions, mind wandering, procrastination. So I'm doing a lot of work in that space right now. In fact, I just did a, a, a master class for the Guardian last week just focusing on these areas, focus, productivity. Um, and so I, I found that last year, probably just because of the needs of my clients, I just started working more in that space. And it's a space that I've, I've been passionate about since the same time I got into memory. Because as I said, the main thing with my memory wasn't my memory, it was my focus, it was, as you can tell, I can get a bit energetic sometimes. But as a young 20 year old, I was, I wasn't all over the place, but I was lots of ideas and nailing me down was tough. And I've learned to do that over, over the years. Mm. And so last year it was really starting to shift the business, starting to do a lot more work with startups. Uh, and, and I guess now it's, it's very, very focused, especially the work that I'm doing one on one with people and the business is going to, uh, continue to evolve more in that vein. Memory will always be a part of what I do. I mean, in my opinion, if you're able to learn fast, you have an unfair advantage in whatever you do. Like, whatever you do. When I was an actor, I knew I could walk into an audition and learn the lines, probably in the top 10% of people in that audition. Likewise, when I was working in product, I knew I could get up to speed very rapidly in a new domain. So I really do think that if you can learn fast, make things stick, not just understand things intellectually, but get that stuff into your body so you use it. It becomes mm-hmm. part of your behavior as you really have an unfair advantage in the world.
0: And have you um, worked with your your boys on this?
1: <laughs> yes, I have. Interestingly, you should say that, my my youngest came to me. So I've got three boys, 16. Uh, one's turned 13 on Friday. Very exciting. And my, my 11-year-old, who's turn, turning 12 next month, He came to me and said, Dad, I really want to do the periodic table. I I didn't prompt him to do this. Can we do the periodic table together? I mean, he's playing Minecraft most days and Roblox, but he was really excited about it. So we've started doing that together. For my middle son, he was very good at it. He still is. And for I think for kids, sometimes they're looking for shortcuts, which is great because it's a great way to get them excited and motivated Uh, in terms of learning these techniques. Also, it's fun. You're creating stories in your head. (laughs) Like, for kids, there is no problem in imagining crazy pictures. For adults, it's a much bigger leap. Mm. And so for my kid, he'd come to me with poetry in the morning. It'd be five past eight. He'd be leaving for school at 8.30, and he'd go, Dad, I've got to learn a poem today. Can we do the thing? (laughs) I go, okay. And then we go, this is Elijah, my middle son. And then we basically memorize this poem and we kind of stick it in his head and he'd go off to school. So, and, and answer to your question. Yes, we've done quite a lot over the years. Um, there is one story I tell my oldest. He doesn't like me telling the story so much. Uh, now, but I'll tell it to you anyway. When he was young, he was two years old. Mm. And I thought, I wonder if a two year old, I wonder how they get on with these techniques. And so I did the body system with him, but I used shop things you'd buy when going shopping. And I put like ketchup on his feet and bananas in between his knees. And then I, and, and he did it all. He remembered these 10 things and he was two. And I shouted to my wife, I was like, Zoe, Zoe, come here and see this. And she was like, What are you doing? He's two. Leave the kid alone. Uh, but then five minutes later, I heard Zach going, Ah, making a noise, and he was shaking, because you can't see it, it's a visual thing, but he was shaking his feet, going, "ah." I said, what's going on, Zach? He went, the ketchup. I can't get the ketchup off my feet. Um, so at that point, I stopped for a couple of years. <laughs> I thought, okay, give it time.
0: But, but how did that work out for them with, um, so I'm presuming they've done better than average at school because of that sort of um, technique or that ability?
1: Well, it's really interesting because... It depends to my middle and my younger one, I would say they're highly academic like mm. it, in terms of how they're wired my older my older one, not so much you know he's mm. yeah he's more into well actually he's at film college now so he's different they, they, he did well in the exa- is in the exams, but it's not where his passions live and so mm. i'm I'm very, very open and behind the idea of inspiring your kid's strengths and their mm-hmm. talents, and their passions. Mm-hmm. And so I've never, I I, I I could probably tie them down and go, stick this stuff in your head. But if they don't want to do it, I'm okay with that. What I find mm-hmm. is if you expose your kids to this kind of stuff, when they're ready, they'll come to you, and they yeah. go, oh, can we do it for that? Just like my my youngest right now.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, for people who are listening and thinking, "Well, wow, this sounds fabulous, I, I want to find out more about these courses and so on, so... Do you want to give us some um, you know, URL of your website and social media and so on?
1: Yeah, it should be pretty easy to remember. It's just markchannon.com. So markchannon.com. I always recommend to start with tiny habits. So that's on my website. Pop in at the five-day course and just start with habits. Beyond that, I usually recommend just booking a call with me. And we can do a little 15-minute call and we can just figure out what is right for you. If you want to continue, do you want to jump into a group program? Is one-on-one more appropriate? There's also a free memory course. You can can take a taste or run at that as well. But that would be the simplest way to get started. You dip your toe in. You see what it's like to work with me. If you want to do some more, then we can have a chat about it. And are you active on social media at all? I, I'm, I am active. Uh, you can check for LinkedIn. I, I'm enjoying LinkedIn quite a lot right now, so definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Mark Channon, and I'll, I'll pop up there. On Instagram, I'm mark.channon, and on Twitter, I'm just mark.channon. So, so, I mean, you know, variations. The Instagram is the odd one out. It's got a dot in the middle of my name, so that's probably quite memorable. But definitely follow me on LinkedIn. I think especially for uh, a lot of the business world, uh, i I'm posting more and more content on LinkedIn at the minute
0: and is there um a book that you often recommend to people Mark
1: well well it's interesting actually a book there's i've got I'm looking at my shelf here i've got a whole ton of books over there and i I always feel with books and I don't know about you, but it's whatever's on my mind right now <laughs> becomes the book. Yeah. And there's a couple of books, actually. There's a couple of books. One would be um, Tiny Habits by BJ, only because he just launched it this, just last year. So it's a new book. And if you're interested in that area, it's well worth reading. It'll give you a lot of uh, insight behind there. Uh, Simon Sinek, Find Your Why, you know, or uh, finding your why and, you know, figuring out why you want to do things has always been my thing. So I think the model he uses, the golden circle etc if you haven't read it definitely go check it out find your why mm-hmm. um, and I'm also I mean if you're into any of the startup area the scale and lean books the Run and lean by Ashmore yeah well worth checking that out as well mm-hmm. those are the things that come pop off the top of my head as I kind of peruse my bookshelf over there um,
0: and finally Mark is there a quotation that you particularly like
1: there is actually, in fact, if you connect with me in LinkedIn, you'll see it. Uh, it's on a mind map that I did many, many, many years ago, and it's a it's a Da Vinci quote, which is make your work to be in keeping with your purpose. Uh, and for me, that really talks to find a way to do the thing that you love in life. You know, find a way to make your work in keeping with what you are set here to do. Now, interestingly, and maybe a little bit different from uh, Simon Sinek's taking it, I actually think your purpose will, will change over time. You know, When I was an actor, a young actor, my, if I was to give a pithy statement for my... The time as an actor, I'm making this up now, it would be something along the lines of to... Entertain people to make them laugh, to make them cry, to maybe change what they are thinking at the time through that through that form by that creative process that was acting, and that's that would have absolutely it would have been somewhere in that ballpark. Now it's different. Now now it's very very different. I think for me now it's it's more about inspiring people to play at the highest level. And actually, I use the word play in there very deliberately because I'm very big on. Play. play at your highest level um, because I think implicitly within that word is fun and I've, I've always been about fun professional but fun has to be involved uh, and the reason I think that's important is that play at your highest level you're much more likely to transform your life make an impact in the world so in terms of that statement, make your work to, to be in keeping with your purpose, it ties very much into a, a deep belief that I have about finding ways to do the thing that you love in life.
0: Well, Mark, it's been a, been great speaking to you and catching up and hearing yeah, how well you're doing and hopefully um, some people will realise that they, well, they'll be able to improve their own sort of learning. So gets
1: up uh, you. Yeah, hopefully a few people will. Fantastic. Great to chat, Tony. I've really enjoyed this. It's been great to catch up again after so many years.
0: Yeah, lovely. Thank you, Mark. Cheers, Tony. Next week, Habits and Health episode 2 is with Greg Potter, and he helps a range of individuals improve their health and performance from elite athletes to uh, CEOs. He did a PhD on sleep, on circadian rhythms, nutrition, and metabolism. And Greg spends much of his time helping individuals sleep and eat better. He's a co-founder and chief science officer of Resilient Nutrition, a nutrition and supplement company that makes performing better simple and delicious. So we're going to hear a lot more about Greg in next week's episode and a lot more about how you can improve your sleep and your metabolism. If you enjoyed this week's show with uh, Mark Shannon, why not share it with anyone who would get some real benefits from some of the value that Mark shared with us around learning and memory and habit creation and so on. And please do subscribe to the show so you can get it every Tuesday lunchtime when it's released. And hope you have a glorious week.